0: we're so glad you're here today <clears throat> with us. You, you know, many of our teachers go to other churches, great churches in the area. We don't require that they come to our church, but we do ask them to come a few times a year so they know our heartbeat and our pulse and what we're about. Well, in that case, this is a great day for them to be with us because we're talking about what the Lord has called us to be here at Horizon. Every church is like a person in a sense that it has a personality and a call. And there's some unique things the Lord's called us to, part of it being schools, But look today, last week I talked about belonging. And this week I want to talk about becoming what Christ has called us to be. But I want everybody to get our purpose statement. We exist for the purpose of this one little line. I hope that everybody attends here can remember. If someone asks you, well, what's Horizon about? I hope you could just say this line from memory. Look at it and say it with me. Encouraging people to follow Jesus Christ with their whole heart. That is what we are all about. You say, well, even that fun stuff you do? Yeah, because you can have fun when you follow Jesus with all all your heart too. But whatever we're doing, whether it be the church, the schools, uh, out in the community with the ministries we have, we're trying to encourage people to follow him and then give their whole hearts in pursuit of his plan for their lives. And as we look at this today, there are three vital indicators for a growing believer that I want to share with you. Last week, I talked about belonging, and I, I didn't get it all in, so I'm going to pick it up there a little bit, even though this sermon is entitled Become. But I talked about a, a new people coming to attend a church service and how we want to reach out and be warm and loving to them. But I want to talk about people who, uh, who've been here for a season attending church and making sure that it's regular as well. Attend a church service regularly. I believe that it's a biblical principle and that it's vital. There are three things I'm going to share with you today. I'm just like a doctor. And you don't have to do anything I say uh, when it comes to your health as a Christian, just like you don't have to do what a doctor says. Everybody has free will, right? But if you eat well and you take care of yourself and you exercise like the doctor says, your life will go better. Well, you're a believer. You love Jesus. Nobody's doubting that. You're going to heaven. But what I'm telling you today will make your life better. It'll make you stronger and it'll make everything uh, uh, more powerful and more impacting than you ever imagined. And wisdom will come your way if you'll do these three things that I'm talking about today. So let me pick up last week for a moment, talking about welcoming new people. That we want to help them belong to Jesus and belong to his family. This is a representation of his family. His family's everywhere. The church with the large sea. we're the church with the small sea. one of the flocks, the many flocks that God has. But when people walk through these doors, I want us to love on them. You know, Jesus treated every person he met like they were the most important person in the world. And so we can embrace people right away if we're Jesus followers, right? We can start caring about people even before we know them. And the way you do that is show an interest to know them, right? Every one of us have a desire to be known, whether we admit it or not. We'd like people to know us. And we want to know others, so when people walk through these doors or they're new in the schools, whatever it may be, uh, wherever that first meeting is, those initial meetings, um, they can be really awkward if we're not loving them and embracing them right away. And you know people will choose whether they want to be someplace on the basis of whether people wanted to be with them. And Acts 28 two talks about Paul and, um, and a number of people being shipwrecked near the island of Malta. And there's a great verse in there that I just love uh, when they were rescued and they were on this island and they were were visitors of a sense, knew they'd never known these people. Look what the islanders did. I thought it was appropriate to use an islander passage today (laughs) with the luau coming up. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. I just want to tell you that that is my hope for us as a church, that we would be people who show unusual kindness to others, to those who are coming for the first time, that we'd go out of our way to care and want to know them. Then they built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Well, they'd been shipwrecked. It's raining, they're cold. You know, people who don't know Jesus, sometimes they're coming in like that. Their lives are shipwrecked. They're cold and they're, they, they, they feel wounded. And we can just warm them with the love of God, with that welcome, uh, just like those islanders did in that unusual kindness. And I believe God wants us to take away that awkward feeling that people have when they first step into a spot like this. I mean, if you haven't been to a church in a while, you don't know what to expect. Uh, you, you know, I mean, think about it. You don't know necessarily when to sing or when to stand. You're taking your cues from everybody else, right? And, and if we can just take out that awkwardness, it's so great for them to just feel like, hey, I actually enjoyed today, and I met some cool people who, who seemed to think I was cool. And, um, but, but awkward meetings, let me talk about that. Awkward first-time meetings. Have you ever had any of those? I seem to have lots of them. Um, You know, I went to a number of schools, so I know what it was like to be the new person, and it doesn't feel that great in those first couple of weeks. But I remember my first meeting with my mother in law, Jane. Um, She, Karen, took me in to meet her to their home, and uh, I was standing at the end of the coffee table, and uh, Karen. Said my name, and I reached forward and shook my mother in law's hand. And when I stepped back, I must have stepped back further than my original position because I hit the coffee table hard. I almost fell right on the glass part on the top, caught myself, and went just around it to the middle of the table. And I look up, and she's looking at me, and she looks at Karen, and I, you know, very nice to meet you. And she's thinking, Where did you get this guy? That was awkward. And I remember I went to visit a youth pastor who I thought was maybe the best youth pastor in the state many years ago. Brand new youth pastor I was at Grace Community Church in those days. Wanted to meet a couple of the best and see if I could learn from them. But I was nervous because this guy was a legend, man, in Oregon. And I met with him and we talked. And uh, Subconsciously, I must have been wanting to impress him a little bit or real nervous or something, concerned about how he thought about me. Because when I left the meeting and I walked out, I'm 10 steps out of the restaurant and I realized I have my plate in my hands. (laughs) With food on it, you know. I might have taken it, but it was dirty. So I was like, "Oh my word!" I take it back. He still laughs about that to these days. Awkward first meeting. I, you know, you just feel funny. Have you ever heard Tony Campolo's awkward first meeting story about the elevator? He's in the elevator. He's a Christian speaker. He's standing in the back of the elevator, heading up for a meeting to this big in this big building, and he looks down. He notices his, his zippers open. So he thinks, well, no problem, I'm in the back of the elevator, it's packed with people here, I'll just turn and take care of this, nobody's even looking back here. And everything would have been fine, except the lady close in front of him had a long scarf that she was wearing. So he zipped up his zipper and got her scarf stuck in it accidentally. And that would have been fine if it would have been loose and come off, but it wasn't loose and he was trying desperately to get it loose and he couldn't and she walked out and went, yeah, like that. Turned around, and he's there, you know, messing around, and she's like, you pervert, you pervert, and uh, awkward first meeting, you know. Um, now, bring it home a little bit to here, thinking about how people feel when they walk in, Karen and I were once visiting a church on the coast, and honestly, it looked like a really healthy church with a lot of things going for it. But we walked in. It was kind of weird. Nobody greeted us at first. And then there was a hallway, much like the one you came in this morning, right to my right here. And we're walking down. And this guy goes, hey, nice to have you with us today. And Karen was out in front of me. And it was just the four of us in the hallway, you know. So who could he be talking to? Well, evidently, someone had come in behind us. Because he goes, great to see you. And he puts his hand out. And Karen sticks her hand out like this. He walks right by her around <laughs> to see this person that he knows, you know. And says hello. And we're like, Karen's like, <laughs> you know, just uh <laughs> Something like that anyway. And, and then the, to make it weirder, it's like we didn't exist that day. Everybody looked beyond us to see their friends and who they wanted to see, and nobody actually saw us that day. Didn't hurt my feelings because I knew that was going to be some great sermon material for me, right? <laughs> Later. But we don't want to be that kind of place. We want to we be a place that lets them know we're so glad you're here. And, and we don't want to just have the initial meeting, right? And say, hello, my name is, and bam, we're gone. We actually want get, to get to know them. And you say, well, how do I help people? Well, look, greet them, find out what they're about a, a, a little bit, look into their eyes, hear where they're from, and, and then introduce them to somebody else, two or three people who might have a like interest that you just learned about. Oh, let me, you know, introduce you to this person and this person. Take them to the children's ministry if they need help. You don't have to be working in an official capacity around here, and just love on them. Get them a cup of coffee while they're standing there talking with someone. How would you do it at your home, right? You guys are great at welcoming and loving people, and you do, I think you do great around here, but I just want to be even better because we can help people, and we want to let them know you belong here. You can belong here if you'd like, and we wish wish you would belong here, but now let's talk about not only visitors' belonging, but let's talk about regular attenders, or you know, I I don't even know what a regular attender is anymore in in America. Did you know? Um, I read a survey that said around forty percent of Christians go to church or church services about once a month in 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 America. So that means, so we have about a thousand that would be represented with all the ministries here today on campus. But did you know there's another thousand that would consider this their or so maybe just under that that would consider this their church home? But but they're not here that much. You know, they come periodically. Now, I'm here to tell you, I don't like to do guilt or shock or any of that, but I'm just here to tell you that if you'll go to church on a regular basis, your life will go better because it's a principle in God's word. Uh, You know, your salvation is not dependent upon it, but your health as a Christian is somewhat dependent upon it. And Jesus is our example, right? Well, look what he did in Luke 4.16. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. So right, that was the church they had in that day, right? The New Testament church hadn't appeared yet. And Jesus was found as was his custom on a regular basis. He's our example. Look at Paul, who gave us two-thirds of the New Testament, written through his hand by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Pretty much a man of God. Acts 17, too, as his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue. He, on a regular basis, found himself in that large corporate meeting um, with the, the, the followers of God. Now, this is a, a flock. You know, you say, why do we need this meeting so much? Let me see if I can kind of explain it from my heart. And, and by the way, it's not just about this meeting. There there are some great churches around us. It's about going to one of these churches on a regular basis, making it your home church so you can be known, right? And people can bless you and you can bless them. But knowing that it's very, very important to do this, uh, and the word shows us why. But this flock is a small representation of the larger body of Christ. Because here we would have uh, toddlers and babies, right? We have children and teens and college-age and single and married, excuse me, young and old alike. And when I fellowship here, I can be encouraged by a mentor. I mean, you know, I'm the pastor, but let's, you know, if you're a normal person, you can be encouraged by people who want to invest in your life on a regular basis, and they're usually older than you. So if you hang around with just your peer group in a small group, you're going to miss something that someone could invest in you. And you're going to miss the younger ones that you can invest in. For example, um, When I meet out here in the lobby and I'm greeting people, I I like to meet little kids. I like to meet your kids, and I like to drop to a knee. You'll see me do it often, and just talk to them. Because this is a a little person that God created that has tremendous potential for him. And every encounter they have is shaping them right now. And I actually like kids, and I want to know them. They're just a trip, and they're so much fun. But I I want them to feel good about coming to church and know that there are people here who care about them and like them. And hey, even my pastor likes me, you know? And so I'll look at them and I'll talk to them and hopefully they know I care. And when you do that, now I'm just telling you, you won't get to do that if you're just in a small group somewhere and not in the larger representation of the body of Christ. There's something corporately that happens here with all the ages that is dynamic and God wants us to live it. And we see it all through the word, um, small groups are great, and I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But one of the other things that we have that hap- a couple other things, is the dynamic of corporate worship. I mean, you get a guitar and you can have a cool dynamic in a small group sitting around a circle as well. And, and, and hey, I'm not knocking that, that's great. But there's something about coming in with a large representation uh, of, of his body. And when you've been beat up during the week and feel like there are no other Christians anywhere and you come in here and you start to feel the Spirit of God and you see hands go up and then you see people give their hearts to Christ and you think, hey, God is working in, in this community and God is working in me. And then the preaching beyond the, the worship where we feel the presence and the presence is awesome when we worship corporately. It's, it's, it's unique and wonderful. You can't get it. and, uh, and uh, you, you get other dynamics, but not that dynamic. And, and that's cool, but... But the Bible talks about teaching and preaching. And it says that it's really important. Acts 5.42. And every day in the temple, and there it is. There's the large corporate worship service that they did on a regular basis. It's a biblical principle. And from house to house, there's the small group. They continue to teach and preach this message. There's something about preaching. You might get teaching in a small group, but you won't get preaching. And they taught that Jesus was the way. That's what it went on to say, that he's the Messiah. And there's a dynamic and an anointing that comes with preaching. I remember when Tom Leesman was on our pastoral staff here uh, several years ago, that he would counsel and try to help a lot of people. And uh, periodically, he'd come to me, I mean, a number of times, at least a dozen times, and say, Oh, Pastor, I was working with someone, and I told him to, I asked him to please come to church because they're not coming on a regular basis. And and this week they didn't come, and you spoke directly right where they're hurting and wounded, and it would have blessed them so much. Oh, I wish they would have come. He said that to me over and over again. You need to understand that there's something that goes beyond the ability of a man, a teacher, or a preacher that's called the anointing of the Holy Spirit, where God attends the Word of God as it's being spoken and applies it to individual hearts in an amazing way that goes beyond logic. And so, in this setting, we get that. We don't get it in other settings. And you don't quite get it the same way on TV. Christian TV is okay. And, and it's, uh, you know, there, there's, there's some good stuff and some bad stuff. But you can definitely find some godly stuff on, you know, Christian TV. But it's not the same as interacting with people. And, 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 um, and having that dynamic where we're all together in one room and the Holy Spirit is falling. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. And God says, I, I don't want you to skip that. And here it is, as plain as it can be in Hebrews 10.25. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So, now that can be for the large group meeting with believers and the small group as well, but we're not to neglect these things, uh, because just like an athlete, uh, you, you know, athletes, there's a direct correlation between the way they train, the things they eat, and the way they approach uh, what's just before them, whether it be the race or, or the battle um, or the game. If, the, if, they've, if they've prepared, then they're going to do better when they get there. And this is part of our preparation for life. We're not going to do as well if we're not here on a regular basis. Let me tell you what I think regular is. This isn't biblical, but it's just coming from me. I think it's, it's, it's 75% of the time on, on one of these morning worship times, at least. Some of you travel and 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 that makes it more difficult. But, but but we can't just skip it because there's a big game on because right now we can tape it and do all that stuff, right? Or, or we can't skip it because, oh, let's just go to mom's this afternoon. And that's okay anytime in vacation. That's okay anytime, but, but not collectively where it pushes you to a you know, once a month attendance. It's going to be more difficult for you, for your family, for your life if you don't get the input God wants to give you in situations like this. Don't neglect meeting together. I feel it's really important for all believers. And and, um, and I I can say that for this church that I think it'd be healthy for you. I can say it for many churches around here. But be regular with your attendance so the Lord can bless you the way he would like to bless you uh, with that principle that's in the word as well. And then secondly, be a part of a small group regularly. It's not that one's better than the other. They're both vital signs. Um, Getting connected with people. You were not made to do life alone. You just weren't. And um, one of the things that's difficult for us as pastors sometimes is when people are hurting and they're wounded and we didn't know and they didn't tell us. And so we hear about it weeks later and they're upset at us. Well, let me tell you how you can keep that from ever happening. Get involved with a small group. Uh, And and by the way, call us. The Bible says uh, to call upon the elders uh, of the church to pray for you. So if we didn't know and we aren't aware, just call us. We'll come and we want to help. But what I find interesting is when people get in a small group, they start to share life together and do life together. They share their hurts and people pray for them. And they share about what's coming up that's important where they need God's help and wisdom. And people speak into that with counsel in these small group settings. And they apply the word and they talk about where they've been and what they've been through, where they made mistakes and what they learned. And we get all that wisdom with a multitude of counsel, with the word applied, and we get help for our trials in life. You weren't made to do life alone. You say, well, I'm not sure I need that. Well, you do. Because, uh, you know, t- yesterday it was me who had trouble. Tomorrow, it's, it's you. And today, there are people really hurting here, sitting among us. And we need each other. And it's not just that, um, that you need it, though I believe you do. We're wired this way. It's a principle of God's word that we're supposed to do life together. But we need you. If, that's, if your seat is empty, then I don't get the valuable input that you could give me. So when I've been in my small group... Um, uh, listen, there are things they do that aren't so great as a dad, as a husband, and, and, and I'm not perfect, and I, I like to get my way, and it's just a big flaw that I have, you know? And, 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 you know, a lot of us are like that one way or the other. I mean, you know, out loud or, or, or softly manipulating, but it can get away from us if we're not careful. And sometimes when I'll share something that, you know, with my kids, there's dynamics in relationships that sometimes something's not quite right. And what I find is is mostly me when I figure it out, right, that that I'm a real key if I'll do the right things. And so sometimes when I've shared stories about where I need prayer, counsel will come, and then prayer will come, and the Lord will settle my heart down, and I'll get it, and I'll, I'll just try to do the right thing. But listen, I need people to help me too. You need people to help you. None of us have this all figured out and none of us knows what's ahead. It's a new journey. Every bend has a victory or, or sometimes a defeat. And we can rejoice with those who rejoice because we prayed with them, right? And then we saw it happen. where are God-blessed. Or, or we can mourn with those who are mourning and pray and the Holy Spirit can fall and do, do amazing things. We need each other. Acts 5.42, they met from house to house. There's a small group. That scripture again. It's a non-negotiable if you want to be healthy. It's a biblical principle. Ecclesiastes 4.12, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And we need not only input, but we need accountability, right? If we're not thinking right, it's really great if a brother or sister um, will put their arm around us, maybe when that meeting's over, or give us a call later and say, hey, you know, I was was thinking this. I didn't feel like it was something I should say in the meeting, but um, I, I think you ought to reconsider what you're talking about doing. Now, I've had brothers in this church do it to me, and they were right. They were right. And I'm so glad that they talked to me, uh, whatever the situation may be, sometimes uh, they're just dynamics in the church that, that are difficult to understand when people aren't understanding me. And I need help and you need help, right? To get things right, to keep things right, to keep that right spirit, uh, to love even if you don't feel like you're being loved. And, and, and we need to be accountable. Proverbs twenty seven seventeen: As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. We need each other. You can't really be friends if you don't know people. If you're going to be friends, you're going to have to know someone and they're going to have to know you. So here are five common goals for all of our growth groups. Uh, we call them life groups here. But if you, it doesn't have to be like one of the church organized ones. It can be beyond, but it has to have these elements if it's going to be healthy for you. There needs to be prayer there where you're getting prayer and giving prayer to others. There needs to be study of the word if it's really a solid, small group setting. There needs to be care for others. And we say for our cities because we have about 20 cities representative uh, here in our congregation that people come from. And we like for people to care about their community, maybe do something regular in their community. Our life groups, we ask them to do something once a quarter to reach out and help others, some sort of outreach. And we want our cities to know we care. And then it is an absolute prerequisite and it's law here that you have to have fun. If you're not having fun, something's going wrong right? You come in, you have fellowship and food and you laugh and you enjoy one another because that is what you need. You need that sort of thing. And I'm telling you, when it's working right in small groups, that happens. And you're actually enjoying being there. And then, as I've been speaking of, you want to do life together. Now let me give you an example here um, of what, what what happens and what the Lord has in mind when he says, I, I want you to be in a, connected with people in such a way where they know you and you know them. There was an event that took place last Saturday in Southern Oregon. It was Audrey Farrington, who um, my family and my wife and I have known since she was just a little bitty thing. And uh, Doug and I, Pastor Doug is our life group pastor, um, leader of the small groups in our, in our church, and, and so, so it's four and a half, no, it's actually almost five hours away to Medford where the wedding is. So Karen and I, we love the Farringtons, right? We've done life together through the years and we think we're going, you know, even if we get back uh, late, it's just worth it to be there with our friends because we love them and we know they love us and we want to be there for Audrey. So we go up there and I'm thinking, you know, we're going to be one of the six, two of the six people that are there, you know, for the Farringtons. We get there, there's like 50 people who drove five hours from Horizon. And it was the coolest day. I mean, the setting was beautiful on the river, and Audrey and her new husband, Josh Davis, who's a young man of God, who's a pastor at Table Rock in that area, um, they're up there getting married, and, and we're thinking, little Audrey, you know, and, and, and uh, we're watching mom cry, and it's, it was just so fun for us. And there was a dynamic moment that also sh- showed a, a, a truth about doing life together where the pastor, who's an associate pastor at Table Rock there, uh, was doing the wedding, and he speaks to Josh, Audrey's new husband. And he says, Josh, and I, I know the story, but he didn't bring it up. He said, I'm so proud of you. Well, Josh's dad died in a plane wreck when he was 10 years old. And this pastor came alongside this boy and started mentoring him and pulled him into children's church and had him helping him and just was part of his life and kind of slipped into a spot that, it, that left a deep hole in his life. And so as he's starting to share about doing life with Josh through the years and what it's meant to him and how he's been blessed, he starts to tear up. Well, pretty soon I realize it's not just him, you know. I, mean, I started to tear up when they played the first chord in the piano. I'm not kidding. I turned the corner, like, I'm going to cry. And, and, uh, 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 but but then, then Josh reaches up, and he does this, and so you realize Josh is crying. And then one of the sweetest moments I've ever seen in a wedding was Audrey sees him crying. And she reaches over and dries one of his tears. And I thought, this is the coolest thing, man. The two are becoming one right in front of our eyes. It was such a celebration. Now, here's the deal it's true, Doug, tons of your friends were there, weren't they? And they were so blessed. But you know why? Because Doug's always been connected to the body, Doug's always been close to people. He's made sure that he's among them and they're among him and that he's blessing and being blessed. And he gets it. And that's why he's leading us in this area. But you could see the dynamic. And I'm just telling you, God wants something like that for you, where you're known, where you're loved, where we know your children, where your children know us or know someone in this church who really cares about them. And it's not just our form no more trying to make it through life, you know, with this Jesus thing. We need each other. And by the way, I'm so glad that a pastor kneeled down to talk to Josh when he was 10 and said we're going to make it buddy we need you even for the kids around here and, and, and this is what God is talking about with the body of Christ and with, and with small groups and with us all knowing each other because when those hard times come like they did for Josh and God helped him through it and uh, he's, his part of his reward is Audrey Farrington that is a bundle of energy I'm telling you that, that Audrey and, and Galatians 6.2 share each other's burdens how can we share if, if you're not among us and in this way, obey the law of Christ. It's what God wants for us. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. I just think it's interesting that it's spoken of in terms of us helping others, not just others helping us. Well, here's how you can get connected. And I, I, this is important information. I'll go through it quick. Fill out the quick sheet that's in your bulletin. That dog, Doug, Doug, Doug. I bet that's happened to you more than once. Uh, uh, that Doug talked to you about, and and uh, you, you you can get placed in a life group, uh, one that, that would look to be most appropriate for you. And, and visit the life group sign-up table. It's just in the lobby out here as you go out. you might Any questions you have, you can get them answered there. There's a list of open groups. But there's lots of groups, not just life groups. There's uh, singles and women's groups and mixed and sermon-based and life journal groups and book or video study groups. And you might just want to start in one of those to say, okay, let me, let me try this for several weeks and see how it goes and see if I enjoy being with these people. And by the way, that's okay. Uh, Jesus had the twelve but he had three that he was really close to. And I think that's pretty normal for our lives, right? You should be able to know who your three are that you like the most and be with them. That's cool. That's who you're gonna talk with, pray with, be with, and it's okay. So we want you to find a spot that you can settle in that you you really like being there. Four, you can view open groups on our website. Just go to horizonlife.org. You can gather a bunch of your own friends. Maybe you're not in a small group, but there's five couples, and you say, hey, let's do this, and we'll find a group leader for you. There's a leader that'll fit you perfectly out there somewhere, or we can even uh, give some, some uh, equipping for, for one of you to rise up as a leader in that group. And then uh, what, something that's new is childcare will be, if you, if you put your group on a Sunday night, if is an issue, or if you attend a Sunday night group, and lots of them are Sunday nights, there'll be child care that's here free for those who are in life groups only. Like if you're going on a date, we, we encourage that, but not necessarily want to do your babysitting. Although Karen probably will just call her. And, and, uh, <laughs> um, anyway, there's childcare there for you, right? And, and so we want to make this as easy uh, as possible for you. Some of the groups kind of share care in one house nearby or a basement and, and rotate, and that can work well too. But, but if that's an issue for you, uh, think of that and then the groups are starting on September 23rd. So now is the time to, to sign up. So let's, let's, let's look at these three things I want to bring to you today. The, the first is go to church. I'm just going to say it as simple as I can. Go to church. Go, go somewhere where they love God, uh, they, they preach Jesus and the word of God, and, and they preach obedience to the word, but, but, but love for Christ and from Christ. And, and, and then get, get connected there to some people, to a small group somehow. And meet with them on a regular basis and do life together. And, and then thirdly today, this, the, I just feel this is a vital sign that you really that you really, really need. And, and I would call this your daily devotional. But I'm just telling you, you don't have to do this stuff. But if you want life to go well... These are principles in the Word of God, and it'll go better. I'm just telling you, if you do these things, it will go better for you. It sounds like it's way too much, but it's only a few hours a week. Everything I'm talking about today with the services and the devotion time. But third, set aside time to pray and read the Bible daily. Uh, Start with five minutes. Read a scripture or two and get on your knees and talk to God. And, And you'll see God even bless that and take it further if you've never done that. But let me talk about each of those individually. Get into the Bible. I love this scripture and by the way to help you learn how to develop that habit of daily devotions we have our horizon journals that you can pick up for five bucks they have daily readings that are from 15 to 30 to 45 minutes and you can read through the bible new testament once old testament uh, or new testament twice old testament once if you do the 45 but then you can journal and you can write your prayers down and uh, that's a tool that we have to help you you don't have to use that tool but you should be involved in these things daily is the point. But I love this scripture and I wish we'd take it to heart. Joshua one eight, Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. You, you know, I don't believe America's falling apart morally uh, because there are wicked people. I, I think America's falling apart because godly people don't even know the Bible anymore and have no heart to obey it. And, and, um you know, what, what, what it says in the Bible is if my people humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal their land. The key to the healing of the land wasn't the, un, the unbeliever doing the right thing, it was the believer doing the right thing. And, and when, we, when we do these things and obey, we have this heart to obey, look at this promise. This is one of the incredible promises in the Word of God, that if you, if you, you, know, if you do this daily, meditate on the Word day and night, only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Wow, the Bible's that important that, that, that succeeding has so much to do with following the truth of the Word of God. I, um, I think it's possible, it's, it's like the map or the GPS. If you really want to get there safely, then just open it up and follow the instructions, right? I have this problem where I feel like I don't need a GPS or a map, I can feel my way there in life. I can't tell you how many times I've been lost in Portland, thinking, yeah, oh well, yeah, I can. No, no, just tell me. I can get it. And then I, I can't get it. But I think I can, and I keep doing this. It's so dumb. I, I've been lost all over the world, in, in cities everywhere. I, I'm, I, and, and usually, I'm in languages, you know, that I don't know, countries with those languages, and I still think, no, I'll be okay. We'll figure it out if I get lost. You can't talk to people if you get lost in a foreign country. But I think, oh, no, I'll figure it out. I've been lost in France, where I... I, I was just there for an evening once, and Karen reminded me, I, I said I was coming from Buenos Aires, I was coming from Spain, and I had a layover for 10 hours, so I rented a hotel room near the airport, and I had. I thought, well, I'm going to the Eiffel Tower, man, I may never be in Paris again, I'm by myself, I take the tram out there, and the tram runs uh, You know, at evening, I thought, great, I get out there, it's beautiful, I go to a restaurant, it's all lit up, I think, where's Karen when you need her, And and, and then I... And, and, and then I, I go to come back and I go to the tram station and the tram shut down at 2 a.m. It's like 2.10. I'm 20 miles from my hotel and and so I start waving at cabs and they all stop. They can't understand me. I can't understand them. I'm, you know, I'm doing this, you know, yeah near the airport, and finally, half an hour later, someone stops and says, are you American? I thought, oh, he speaks English. I said, yes, how'd you know? He said, you're talking with your hands, and so <laughs> he, he gave me a ride back, but I almost blew it because I think, hey, you know, I'll be okay, no problem. I don't really need to really know where I'm going. Now, I want you to know it's impossible for me to be with Karen and not know where I'm going, because if I don't know, she's about to tell me, right? And, and <laughs> she's a map GPS master, you know. She, she wants to figure it out, and I, I play it too loose. I remember in Buenos Aires once, I thought, well, I'll just ask him where this spot is and have a cab take me there. And I didn't check it out. And I got stopped there. It was another missions trip. They sell leather. I wanted to buy Karen a leather coat. It's cheap and it's high quality and in, in Argentina, right? The leather's the big deal if you're a tourist. So I show him the card and, and he says, yeah, I can take you there. He's an English-speaking cab driver this time. And I get in the cab, no joke, he drives across the street. He opens the door and goes like that. And I go, where is it? And he goes, right there. And I go, really? <laughs> He's kind of doing this to me. So I give him his 10 bucks, you know. And I mean, it just pays to work things out before you get there, right? I remember being lost in D.C. where someone had given me directions and I didn't grab them on my way out at five in the morning. That's two in the morning our time, if you're on the East Coast time. And I get in my rental and I'm taken off and I reach for those instructions and I can't find them. And I think... I'm not sure I can make it. And then I realized, well, hey, I rented this car, and I can hit this button. It'll take me back to the airport. So I hit it, but I wasn't sure I got it right, and it took me every which way. I mean, I went on five different freeways headed to the airport, and I felt so lost, and the truth was I was right on track all the time because I was listening to what the GPS says. For us, if you're catching it here, that's God's positioning system, the Word of God, And sometimes you don't feel like it's right, but if you follow it, eventually, like me, you're gonna end up coming out with a big sign that says you've arrived at the destination. There was the airport, amazing. I felt lost the whole time, but because I followed the GPS, it worked. And then I found out on the radio that the GPS had led me away from a traffic accident, and if I'd have gone the way I was planning on going, I'd have been trapped and in trouble and missed my flight. And for us, we can do whatever we want. You don't have to follow the word of God. You don't have to. And you you can follow a good portion of it and get into heaven, probably. But life's not gonna go as well for you. You're gonna get lost. You're gonna get trapped in accidents. You're gonna feel trouble and heartache. And it's just, he's just trying to protect us. He loves us. He's not trying to take away our fun. He's trying to take away our pain. And so when we get in the word, we find help from God in this way. We need him to guide us. And that's what his word is about. It's his love letter to us. And then the other part of a devotional life that we do daily is um, we pray. And it elevates about prayer next Sunday night. I, want, I really love it if you come. The Holy Spirit moves, we pray, and it's, it's not as structured as this time. It, it's structured to just let God move in our hearts and among us, and that's next Sunday night. Um, but but 1 Thessalonians says this, verse, chapter 5, verse 17, pray continually, that's to all of us. Colossians 4, devote yourselves to prayer. And... Um, I'll just end with this story right here to let you know why it's so important. Um, because sometimes we're so hurting and if, if we're not careful, we may choose the wrong route. And what I mean by being careful is, are we asking God? Not just feeling our way through life, But, are, but are, and, and sometimes the word doesn't give us specific about which jobs you should take, right? Are we asking God? Prayer. Tom and Brenda Elliott have been in this church for over 30 years They just moved to California recently. We went to their going away party last week. And they've been a great family. We were in a small group setting once out on uh, the porch. Sun was shining, beautiful evening. And Tom, we were talking about prayer and the things of God. And Tom brought up a story. He told the story of when he and Brenda went to the doctor. She was pregnant. And the doctor told him that there was a serious potential of a problem with the baby and he had recommended that she get an abortion. Otherwise, there's a good chance the baby would be born with deformities. As Tom's telling us his story, we're out on the porch and you feel the pain. And, and um, so he talks about their drive home and the ensuing days where they're talking to each other. And that's, it's so agonizing, right? And, and, and um, there's a level of temptation that's really there that, that if you're honest, you would probably feel. Because uh, they make you think of the worst case scenario. But they, they committed to prayer and at one moment when it crystallized for them, Tom said to Brenda, Brenda, we can't listen to them. We know what God's word says. And as I'm praying, I, I feel like he's saying, this, this, who knows, this could just be a double earlobe. That's, that's what it could be and, and let's have this baby. And so they prayed and they decided, okay, God's spoken to our hearts, we're gonna follow. And unbelievably, when little Katie was born, she had a double earlobe and that was the only problem that she had. While he's telling us this story in our small group, this was many years ago, Katie had been uh, indoors with the rest of the kids as we were meeting and she was about eight years old and they'd been playing dress up and she put on a dress and the moment he said she had a double earlobe, it's just like God had planned it. She popped out on the front porch there where we're, or back porch where we're sitting and she spun around and she said to everyone, aren't I the most beautiful girl? And we thought, yes, you are, Katie. And you know what? I'm just telling you, when you follow God's way, because here's what the word says. When David says, you knit me together in my mother's womb, here's here's what that means. That's God's work in there. That's God's work. And, and, uh, And not only did they listen to that truth, but they followed God's heart instead of bowing to fear. And we need, we need to be people who, when tough decisions come, we are focused on, on living our lives in the word and in prayer and seeking out God so that he can lead us and guide us the way he'd want. So, so here's, here's the thought for you today. Go to church. I hope here that'd be great. But if not, just go to a good one on a regular basis. Just go. Get involved, get connected so you can be blessed and be a blessing. And then if you'd value just being in, this, in the word and in prayer Now, now we we can do a lot for you, but if I'm giving you a meal once a week and that's all you're getting, you're not gonna be very healthy. You need to eat every day by being with the Lord, just you and Him, and you'll feel His presence blessing your life.